everything seemed to fit this morning uh, with you guys and what you're going through. The, from the prayers to the, to the music, um, to the verses that were picked, it's just, God just knows what's going on, doesn't he? I, he? He just knows, and he's there to, to work with us and to comfort us. And I just, I love that. Um, in in my, my years in ministry, I've had people talk to me and, and ask me, why, why does God allow certain things to happen? Why, why do we have to deal with certain things? This, and then this context is so painful uh, and difficult. And obviously, there's this idea that God puts a very high price on free moral agency. He wants us to, to make decisions. He wants us to choose him and to choose righteousness uh, for for his sake alone and for righteousness' sake alone. But something that I've often thought about is that in this context where we live, this reality that we're in right now, there are things that we can learn only here and not in the eternal life to come. Because in the life to come, we're not going to have to deal with sin and we're not going to have to deal with forgiveness. We're not going to have to deal with having empathy and compassion and to grieve with one another because those are things we're not going to have to do. And only here, only now, can we experience those things and rally around one another as a family and know what it feels like to have compassion for someone, to grieve with someone, to forgive someone, to have empathy, to be hurt and then to have someone do those things for us. And I don't like it any more than anyone else does, but apparently those are lessons that we need to learn. And God, through it all, in his sovereign, uh, glorious power, comes beside us, around us, and helps us through all those things. So, uh, Pastor Scott, thank you so much for that intro. Uh, I don't know that he's ever actually heard me preach, so I <laughs> jokes on him if it's bad. <laughs> Um, unless you've been stalking me on the internet, there's probably some stuff out there somewhere. Um, thank you all for the prayers. I had lots of prayers this morning, um, and I, I love that, and it's great. Thank you for being my forever family so I can get up here and I can speak, uh, because my little, little disclaimer, uh, public speaking is my absolute worst fear. And there are times where God calls you to do things that you don't want to do that are uncomfortable. Uh, and the only thing worse than and more terrifying than getting up here and speaking to you is not doing it. Because that feeling is even worse. To know that I had an opportunity and God could have done something for me and for you, and I missed it. So I get up in faith, I walk up here shaking hands, and I do what God has called me to do when he comes through every time. And that is a great segue into this because this morning the sermon is forgive one another. And that's also really difficult and really messy. The verse for today is Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And now I'm not as cool as Pastor Scott. I didn't put anything up on the board. And I've got some, a lot of verses for you guys this morning. So uh, it's going to be sword drill time. So you get your fingers out, you know, stretch them a little bit. 
try to remember where you know your uh, your books are in your Bible. Uh, if you've have, they've all got some behind in the pews there, which is great. Uh, but forgiveness, forgiveness is is a huge topic. It's it's incredibly simple and easy to understand in some ways, and yet it's incredibly complex and difficult and messy and ugly in other ways. Radical forgiveness can lead to some absolutely amazing stories. The stories of of redemption and God's power to mend and heal broken relationships. And I'm sure all of you, show of hands, you've heard a story of radical forgiveness where people's lives were just absolutely changed. There's a lot of you out there for sure. Our culture is not great on forgiveness right now, is it? We, We tend to idolize its opposite, vengeance. Oh, we love vengeance. What? That's a horrible thing to say. We don't love vengeance. Well, we kind of do. Or we sort of idolize it. All the movies and the TV, uh, the things that we really like, action flicks, what, what are they about? They're, they're about the bad guy and the less bad guy, right? Getting, giving to the bad guy what he deserves. That's pretty much what's going on there, right? And he's kind of, I mean, he could do bad stuff as long as it's for a good reason. Okay, that's, that's vengeance. And that's not exactly what we got going on here. Now, one of the things we find over and over in the scriptures, old and new, is that God has a passion for loving, faithful, radical forgiveness. What would you say God's greatest attribute is? Well, well that came out really fast. Good. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And I don't think anybody would argue that God's love motivates his grace and his mercy toward his creatures, and that just moves right into forgiveness, radical forgiveness. Love ends up at forgiveness. So well, we're going to take a closer look at this topic this morning, and we're going to ask some questions. I'm a big question guy. Whenever anybody tries to tell me anything, I go, why? What's that mean? What's that about? I don't understand that. So that's usually how I put these things together. So we're going to ask some questions this morning and, uh, and answer them. So we're going to ask these questions. What is forgiveness and what isn't it? Why do we need to do it? And what happens if we won't? What makes it hard to do? Under what circumstances do we need to forgive and what can happen if we do? And finally, how can we do it? Even in the most difficult situations. How can we make that happen? So right off, what is forgiveness? You know, somebody says, sorry, and you say, oh, that's okay, no big deal, and you go on about your day. Like, can it be that simple? Yeah, certain times it can, it can be that simple. It can absolutely be that easy. But how about a scenario? Let's say you just bought some brand new white shoes, and then somebody steps right on them with muddy boots. Okay, well, and what if they did it on purpose? Okay, that's kind of silly, right? Uh, it gets, it, it, it could be that easy. Uh, what about your kids? You guys have a lot of kids in here. Does this sound like a scenario you're familiar with? Hey, hey, tell your sister you're sorry. Like, no. No, tell your sister you're sorry. That wasn't cool. Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to anybody? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, I think we've all heard that. She didn't even mean it anyway. That says something about the human spirit and the human heart right there, doesn't it? Yeah, because that really, we don't act like that as adults, 
Well, we think like that as adults. We still really do. All right, so here's a more specific definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a determined act of the will to not hold something against someone. Uh, another way we could say it, it's a release of something you have against someone you feel justified in having. Okay? Somebody has sinned against you in some way. There's a hurt or some kind of injustice involved, and we find our way to letting that go. That's what forgiveness is. Biblically, uh, forgiveness is closely related to mercy and grace with the motivation of love behind it. Forgiveness is a very feelings-oriented concept, isn't it? Everything that deals with forgiveness is all kind of bound up right in here in your heart. There are feelings we have to work through to get to forgiveness. Anger, resentment, hurt, sadness. Uh, a feeling that we need to be vindicated in some way. These are all things that happen in our heart when something happens to us. And it could be anything from a minor hurt to absolutely overwhelming, unbearable pain. Much worse than somebody stepping on your white shoes. And that's the messy part. So putting it all together, forgiveness is deciding to let some grievance we have against someone go and extend mercy and grace out of a motivation of love. Let me say that one more time. Forgiveness is deciding to let some grievance we have against someone go, extending mercy and grace out of a motivation of love. That's what forgiveness is. So now we get to what forgiveness isn't. And the more I thought about this this week and I talked to people about it, the more it just kept coming back over and over into my head. Forgiveness, first of all, isn't ignoring something that needs to be addressed and dealt with. And I feel like in, in our culture right now, we're just so easy to cut somebody off instead of dealing with the emotional issues that go along with having to forgive them and restore a relationship. Forgiveness is not accepting someone's sinful actions as okay. Now, I understand turning the other cheek and picking your hill to die on, and all that's really, really good, and there's a time and a place for all that, but just pretending like nothing happened isn't forgiveness. That's denial, and that's not healthy. Another thing forgiveness isn't. It's not just saying, I forgive you without meaning it. That falls right back to the first thing we talked about, that something needs to be addressed and dealt with. Another thing we already said, forgiveness isn't getting even, either at first or later. Once again, that's vengeance. And in Deuteronomy 32, God said, vengeance is mine, I will pay them back. And it's quoted again in the New Testament twice. It must be important in Hebrews and in Romans. Last thing that I have here, one last thing that forgiveness isn't, forgiveness isn't easy. It can be incredibly difficult, and oftentimes it is a long and repeated process. Something that pops into your head the first thing in the morning, it's floating in there the last thing of the day, and you have to go through it multiple times a day for maybe a long time, well, maybe a long time. So why do we need to forgive? 
Well, I've got a couple of reasons here for you. The first one is really easy, because God said so. Right? That's pretty easy. Right? God said to do it. That didn't make it any easier to do, but it's an easy answer. Right? We already read Colossians. Let me give you another one from Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says about the same thing. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's something he wants us to do. Forgiveness is clearly important to God. And if you noticed, in each one of those verses, there's also part of a description of how we're to do it, what it's supposed to look like. As the Lord has forgiven you, or as God in Christ forgave you. Not begrudgingly, but the way God did it for us. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. Another answer to this question of why we need to forgive can be less obvious. And it helps if we ask the follow-up question for that, what happens if we won't? What does that look like? Now, oftentimes in the scripture, God tells us to do something or not to do something, and he doesn't give us a lot of reasons why. Have you noticed that? And that seems to happen a lot. He's like, I'm God, trust me. Right? Are you a God? No, I am. Just trust me, don't do that. Or you really should do that. And forgiveness can be, in a sense, one of those kinds of things. Uh, unforgiveness affects our relationship with him. And I want to read you some very difficult passages right now. Uh, these, are, these are tricky. So, Mark eleven twenty five. Uh, I'm going to read uh, four or five of them. Mark eleven twenty five says this, and whenever you stand praying, forgive, and if you have anything against anyone, uh, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Wow. Here's another one. Luke six thirty seven. Jesus says, "Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned." Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Uh, Matthew 6, 11 through 15, you'll, you'll be very familiar with most of this. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're all familiar with that passage, right? That part? Okay, what about the next verse? For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wait, what? We don't hear that very often growing up in Christian church. And now I've got one more passage here, and I'm, I'm going to risk reading the whole thing because I think the context is important to the point. Uh, so bear with me here. Uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is uh, Jesus' conversation with Peter and then the parable that goes on with it. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. Now, just a little background here is important. That's like a nonsensical number. Okay, that's like saying a bazillion dollars. All right, because a talent, usually in gold, is the, the most you could weigh, 
And 10,000 in Greek is like the biggest number you could pick. All right, so we're talking like 70 to 100 million days wages. Is this guy ever going to get that kind of money? You couldn't even lose that much money. Like, the king doesn't have that much money. All of Israel never had that much money, okay? But that's how much this guy owed. Remember, it's a parable. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. <laughs> a little payment. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have mercy, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found him one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That is a millionth percent of what he owed. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. All right, Jesus, well, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, could you maybe wrap that up in a nice shell for me? Yeah, sure, he can. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Well, that wasn't the bow I wanted on that. That's really rough. Like, that's hard. And I want you to remember that phrase, from your heart, because that's going to come up again. Now, biblical disclaimer, doctrinal disclaimer, salvation is in Jesus and not contingent on our forgiving others. Right? Yeah, that's doctrinally right. But I got to say, God has clearly put some tension in these verses, right? Salvation in Christ alone, by faith alone. Wait, I don't get forgiven if I don't forgive my brother from the heart? How do I wrestle with that? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Unfortunately, I don't have an easy answer for you. But I do have a thought. Why is this such a big deal to him? Why is this so monumentally important for God, for us to get this attitude of forgiveness? Here's the thought. I think, first of all, our refusal to be willing to forgive others shows him that our forgiveness is not appreciated or maybe not even clearly understood. It shows that we don't understand the debt that we owed or the lengths that God went to to forgive it. Now, how does that fit with our salvation? If I really don't understand what Jesus did for me, if I really don't understand the lengths that he had to go to and the blackness of my soul that God had to purify, what he had to do to make that happen, I need to think about that some. I need to meditate on that some more. It's rough thoughts, difficult struggle, and I'll allow you to wrestle with that. But you know, even practically speaking, in our daily lives, 
All we really need to do to understand why it's so important to forgive is look around and see what happens if we won't do it. Outwardly and inwardly. Outwardly is pretty easy. How does that look, practically speaking? It's broken relationships. We get a lot of that going on, don't we? Lots and lots of broken relationships. Inwardly, how does that feel? How does it affect your daily life for there to be this pain without, without forgiveness? When we won't forgive, something begins to happen inside of us. And it starts with initial hurt and pain of some grievance. But then we relive that experience over and over and over in our heads like a bad movie we can't get rid of. And after a while, that filters down into our hearts. And what happens to it then? Anger, bitterness, distrust, resentment. We can develop a feeling of injustice so deep and intense that that turns to hatred. And where does hatred go? Hate leads to suffering. Some of you. Good, good. All right. Uh, it goes to a dark place. Not necessarily the dark side, but it goes to a dark place. Now, I did a little study on the psychological side of this, and uh, here's some interesting info that I got from the uh, Mayo Clinic's Foundation for Medical Education and Research. Say that 10 times faster. So, I love it when... Uh, uh, modern secular science matches up with what God said like thousands of years ago. It's pretty cool. All right, so not forgiving, they say, at the Mayo Clinic can lead you to bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experiences. Oh, yeah, it can. It can lead you to become so wrapped up in a past wrong that you can't enjoy the present. It can lead you to become depressed Irritable, anxious. We don't have any anxiety in our, in our society right now, do we? Depression, anxiety, not too much of that. I mean, take a pill, it's gone. <gasps> it can lead you to feel at odds with your spiritual beliefs. Yeah, yeah, it can. It can lead you to lose valuable and enriching connections with others. Another word, valuable and enriching. I'd like to add to that deep and vulnerable deep and vulnerable. On the other hand, forgiveness, they say, can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, fewer symptoms of depression, lower blood pressure. Wow, that's kind of cool. Don't worry about your diet. Go forgive somebody. <laughs> A stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. Can you imagine clinical studies have shown that if I will look at somebody differently and extend grace and mercy to them and forgive them, I'll see myself better. That's interesting. I think that's interesting. Now, does any of that sound familiar? Can anybody attest to some of those symptoms, either good or bad? Yeah. Let's show our hands here, just so we can see each other. Okay, so we're in the same boat here. All right, well, those, that's inwardly us. What about inwardly others? How does unforgiveness affect others inwardly? Well, let me ask this question. Have you ever been deeply, sincerely sorry for something you've done 
and not been forgiven for it? Think about that. You did something bad, whatever it might be, you feel horrible, and you go to extend an olive branch, I'm so sorry. I, did a, I, I really screwed up. I messed up bad. And you get, nope, see ya. How's that feel? And if that's you in this room, how are you dealing with that? I'll tell you how. Not well. It's a horrible feeling. What happens to shame and regret with no forgiveness? You know what? That can go to some pretty dark places too, can't it? And that's a different level for everybody. People handle things. They have different baggage and they deal with their baggage differently. That can look real ugly. Very self-destructive even. What if God was like that? Just kept a record of wrongs with no forgiveness? Is that a horrific thought? Well, he's not like that. He's a, praise God, he's not like that. And I want to tell you this morning, if that's you, if you've tried to get forgiveness, if you've said you're sorry and you've not gotten forgiveness in return, let me tell you this morning that the Lord forgives you. He has already forgiven you in Christ. And he's the one who really matters in the end. If that's your situation, pray for the one who won't forgive you because they're in a more difficult situation than you at this point. So the next question, what makes it hard to forgive? This is the, this is the ugly part. Now, some things are easier to forgive and some things aren't, right? Oh, somebody stepped on my shoes, big deal. Uh, you shoved your sister, okay, we'll, we'll all probably live. Oh, but some things are more difficult than that. How about being overlooked, being insulted? being demeaned, being mistreated, okay? Singular moments, well, that's not so bad. I mean, I get it. People have a bad day. There are people who are just rude. They treat you poorly. It's easy to let those things go, singular moments. But what if the neglect or the being overlooked, insulted, demeaned, mistreated, what if that's repetitive? What if it's abusive? What if it's over years? Well, that's harder. That's going to be much harder. That pain goes deeper. How about neglect? From parents, teachers, caregivers, spouses. Singular moments? Okay, everybody has a bad day. Easy to let go. But what if it's continuous? Habitual? to the point you feel as though the other person couldn't care less about you. That you essentially have become invisible to the people who are supposed to love you. It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. How about drunk drivers, doctors, and medical accidents when those people cause situations resulting in someone to be taken from you? How about betrayal? Treachery from a best friend, a spouse, a child, some relative. Cheating, theft, slander, 
being stabbed in the back by someone you love? How about some form of abuse, physical, sexual, mental? These things are not easy. It's not easy. How about when you have to deal with someone who doesn't understand they've done anything wrong? Or worse, dealing with someone who refuses to acknowledge they ever did anything wrong and they justify all their actions as if it's your fault. How many ways are there for a human being to hurt another human being? I can tell you how many. Too many. It's too many. So what makes it hard to forgive? Pain. Leading to distrust. Fear of more pain. Anger. An anger coupled with an intense desire to see justice done. To be vindicated or to be given back to you what was taken from you. Whatever it was. Physical, mental, social even. Now, if those descriptions just opened up something that you weren't really prepared to think about this morning, I'm sorry. That kind of pain does not magically go away with time. Time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. You know, it can help a little in some ways, but some pain needs the touch of the great physician. There's some pain that only God can help you work through. Only the God of all healing can fix some pain. Next question. That's what makes it difficult. Under what circumstances do we need to forgive? So we feel that kind of pain. Now God, I'm supposed to forgive who? Who do we need to forgive? Well, technically you can forgive anybody. Even people you don't know personally. Even people that have hurt you that aren't in your life anymore. Even people who have no idea that they've hurt you in the first place. It's possible. We can do it. And there are two kinds of people that we should forgive. People that ask for forgiveness and people who don't. (laughs) You see what I did there? That's good. Now, people who ask forgiveness, that's easier. Would that not be the most healing, wonderful, refreshing moment in your life where somebody who has hurt you so deeply came to you and said, I am so sorry for what I did to you. I don't know about you, but I've got some parts in my heart that that would fill in. And I guarantee there are probably a lot of you out there who are the same. Now, however, the people who don't ask for forgiveness... That's more difficult. And it's a little more controversial as well because have you ever heard this? They didn't ask to be forgiven. They're not sorry, so I don't have to forgive them. That's coming from a place of pain, obviously, a place of hurt. I've thought it myself if I haven't said it out loud, and I have had people say it to me. And they're right in some ways. Maybe those people don't care. Maybe whatever they did, they do to you again in a heartbeat. But remember what unforgiveness does to you. Let me ask a question. What did God do in the same situation with us? 
Let me read you a couple verses to think about. Romans 5, 6 through 8. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still doing this, he sent his son to die for us. That's the love, the radical forgiveness of God. Luke 23, 33 and 34. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is radical forgiveness. I don't know if I saw this somewhere or I heard it in a sermon or somebody, but I've got this picture in my head that someone gave me at some point about when the Romans came and they grabbed Jesus and they went to put him on the cross, he laid down on it and put his hands out. They didn't have to put their knee on his neck and force his arm over. He went willingly to the cross. And I guarantee you that Roman was like, this guy is a nutball. It's like he wants to be crucified. It's like he's okay with it. What is wrong with this guy? Oh, thankfully, there was nothing wrong with him. It was everything right with him. We can have that same kind of attitude. What if we practiced that kind of forgiveness? People might say the same thing about you. What is wrong with you? (laughs) So how? How can we do it? Next question, how can we forgive others even in the most difficult cases? Now, I've got two ideas here. One of them is how is in descriptive, what does it look like? And then we're going to end with how as in how do we go about doing it? So first off, how is in descriptive? Well, we've already gotten from the verses in Colossians and Ephesians and then from Matthew. As God in Christ forgave you, And as Jesus said in the parable, after the parable to Peter, he said, from the heart. From the heart, as God in Christ forgave you. What does that really mean? Let me give you three synonyms here. It needs to be real. It needs to be sincere. And it needs to be absolute. And for us, those things are very tricky. Right? Especially the absolute part. Well, I'll forgive you today, but I might wake up tomorrow and be mad again. I might wake up tomorrow and look at your face and be like, oh, I remember everything you did yesterday. Because that happens. That's what we're like. But let's remind ourselves that our personal forgiveness is motivated by love, God's love for us. That's where we got forgiveness from. Our forgiving should also be motivated by love. Our love for God first and then love for the person that we need to forgive. That's vulnerable stuff. You know, we often use this verse for marriages, but imagine if we use this verse as a context for forgiveness. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. What if those were about forgiveness, right? Remember we said the very beginning, love equates forgiveness. 
That's where it ends up. That's where love ends up at radical forgiveness. So, how are we supposed to forgive? From the heart. From the heart. Here's another description. Back to the Matthew 18 passage. Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, I've studied this, and the Jewish thought was three times. It's a good symbolic number of unity and community, right? So three times? Three times is pretty good. I mean, he's, he's kind of a jerk if I got to forgive him three times. I mean, come on. There's, only, there's limits, right? Peter's like, oh, no, no, we can do better than that. Jesus, how about seven times, right? That's a number of completion, nice symbolic number, right? Jesus, you like that one? And Jesus says to him, I don't say to you seven times, Peter, 77 times. No, we know he doesn't mean specifically 77. How many of you have been forgiven more than 77 times? Okay, yeah. What does he mean by 77 times? It's easy. You need to be willing to out-forgive sin, just like God does. You have to out-forgive sin. How many times have we relied on God's forgiveness? Relied on it. Knew it was there. I'm going to grab on it with both hands. I'm going to jump off this cliff and grab onto God's forgiveness with both hands. How many times have we relied on his faithfulness, his grace, even to the point of abusing it? I won't ask for hands for this, but anybody in here abuse God's grace? So that's our description from the heart, radically. That sounds really hard. So how are we going to do it? How are we going to accomplish this feat of forgiveness, even in the worst situations? And when I think about descriptions of things and examples, my brain tends to find the worst possible example I can find and throw that up to God and go, yeah, can I count on you in this one? How about that one? Child sex trafficking, God, can I, can I forgive somebody for that? He says yes. Man, God is good. So I want to give you right now is four keys to meditate on to help you get to a place of radical forgiveness. From the heart, radical forgiveness. This is not, these aren't magic scriptures. It's not going to happen like this. These things have to be meditated on. They've got to be practiced. And it takes time. Here's the first one. First thing you need to do is pray. Sounds obvious. You have to pray for you. And you have to pray for the person that you need to forgive. Oftentimes we need a new heart. If we're going to forgive from the heart, we need a new one. And I don't mean a new one like God put in a heart of flesh and took out a heart of stone. I mean, we need a new perspective. I need to see differently. And that's going to require God to do a work in me if I'm going to forgive somebody. Because that pain and that hurt is real. Nobody is denying that. And then I've got to pray for the person that I'm forgiving because I need a new perspective of them as well. What's their situation? What did they do? What are they like? They're like this? Did they just choose to be like this? Do you think somebody wakes up one morning and says, you know what? I'm going to throw my life away and get into heroin. 
Like, I mean, I got time. I don't have to be to work until four. So, yeah, there's a trail of hurt and decisions and baggage that leads to a place where you're willing to do some of the most deplorable things a human being can do. We need that perspective. In prayer, God can give us those perspectives. He can give us a new heart and he can give us a new perspective. And God loves an obedient spirit, even if the flesh is weak. Right? You can go to the Lord on your knees, tears in your eyes, and say, God, I don't want to forgive them. And he'll help you there. That's a good place. That's a good place to be. I want to, but I don't want to. So prayer. Second thing, we have to realize our own sinfulness and shortcomings. We have to recognize that within ourselves. And I've counseled some people, and I've said that, and here's what I've heard before. How dare you? They sinned against me. I didn't do anything wrong. Okay? But this is the problem with the guy in Jesus' parable. Easily finding flaws in others and demanding justice, but rarely, if ever, taking an internal look at ourselves and seeing where we come up short. We have flaws. We have things we struggle with. Here's an introspective question for all of us. How are we doing? How's our walk with Jesus going? We got it down? Like, down. We perfected yet? I am grateful for everything that God has done in my life. And I try to love Jesus as best... I try to try to love Jesus as best I can, if I'm being honest. As I walk this world wearing the flesh of worldliness and desire, I try. And I've had victories in areas, but wow, do I struggle in other areas. And you do too. And you know how I know? Because you're wearing the same flesh I'm wearing. And I know it's difficult. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I so love Paul in Romans chapter 7. And he says this, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Thank you, Paul. I'm so glad you wrote that because I've got days like that too. Weeks like that? Years like that? (laughs) If we are going to forgive others, we have to see that we're flawed and we still need forgiveness ourselves. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. Yeah, but I would never do what they did to me. Right. Praise God. But your standard and my standard is not the people that hurt us, but Jesus. And do we look like him yet? Maybe not so much. The third one, perfect following for that. Realize that you are forgiven. We're still flawed. We still need forgiveness, but we have it in abundant measure. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And God is not asking us to do something new in forgiving others. 
He's asking us to do something he's already done for us. Over and over again. And as I thought earlier today, and for them. What if that person we're having trouble forgiving has gone to the Lord and received forgiveness from him? Are you going to hold a grudge against someone where God hasn't? I don't want to be in those shoes. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Those two things go together perfectly. As the Lord has forgiven us, so we're supposed to forgive others. And the fourth one. And this one's just as tricky as the others. We have to realize that nothing really belongs to us. And we have a lot of trouble with that. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So who does it belong to? God. God. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. We use the words my and mine a lot. Those are some of our favorite words. Here's how you can figure out what really belongs to you, okay? You can claim anything you have the power to create and keep. That's yours. Let's think about the things that we consider to be ours. Um, My wealth, my money, my job, my children, my health, my good name, right? Ethics or morality. Those are all my things, right? Wait, I didn't create those things. <laughs> you remember a couple years, no, this was a long years, a lot of years ago now. Uh, Obama got in big trouble because he said, you didn't build that. You remember that? You remember when he did that? Anybody here? No? I, he got a lot of flack for that, but I understood what he was trying to say. I'm not a big Obama fan, but I got what he was saying. There was an infrastructure placed there so that we could achieve some of those things. Everything we have has been allowed to be given to us because God has allowed it. We have it because God is good and he's gracious and he's kind and he's generous. But do any of those things really belong to us? Our money, our children, our spouses, our health, our good name, are they ours? And let's just say you could claim any of that for yourself. Do you have the power to keep it? No. If Job, and I love Job, I think the last five chapters of Job are like my favorite in all of the Bible. And God said this to Job in Job 41, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Oh yeah, God claimed that stuff. If we could learn to hold all things with an open hand, it would be much easier for us to have a perspective that would lead us to forgiveness. Because we realize that the things that hurt us or the things that are taken away from us were never really ours to begin with. So those four things again. Prayer and the power of God to forgive. Realizing our own sinfulness and shortcomings. Realizing the forgiveness we have in Christ and the love and the lengths God went to to give it to us. And realizing that nothing we have or had really belongs to us anyway. Those things lead to understanding and then empathy and then compassion. They make us humble 
And in turn, that leads us to being able to give grace and mercy, which allows forgiveness. This is what God wants for us. He wants it from us because he wants it for us. It's good, it's healing, and it's Christ-like. And don't give up on it. If that's a place where you're at this morning, where you're struggling to let something go, I want to encourage you to go and do step one. Go talk to God about that today and start that. You will not be disappointed at where that road goes. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, this is a difficult concept, Lord, and we, we struggle. Lord, we have a hard time. Some of us have been hurt very, very deeply. Uh, Lord, some of us have wounds that go deeper than we can see the bottom of. I pray, Lord God, that you would begin that healing process in our hearts, that you would help us to see that uh, there is healing, there's peace, there's joy on the other side of the pain, um, and that we can get to a place where we can release those things, Lord, and forgive, receive true joy and peace because of it. And Lord God, we know that you know our struggles. We know that you understand that it's difficult and that you are patient with us, Lord, in your forgiveness. And we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, we give all praise to you for our forgiveness in Jesus. We pray that you make us to look more and more like him. And it is in your name that we pray, Lord God. Amen. Thank you, guys.